you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. All right, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great to be with you, City on a Hill. If you are new or visiting, my name is Guy. Joy and privilege to serve uh, as the pastor of this church, a church committed to knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Uh, Before we dive in, a few shout outs. Mark Pierce is in the house, celebrates 60 years on planet Earth. Can we give it up for him? Been part of our church for many years. Great man of God, love having you here. And also, celebrations for Kenneth Webb, who uh, announced his engagement with Armilla. Let's put our hands together for Kenneth. Serves in production, does an amazing, amazing job. Well, it's great to be with you uh, as we kick off our new series uh, in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be nine weeks in Proverbs, looking at wisdom in an artificial age. And to, you know, to get us going in this series, I thought I would do a bit of research and go to that trusted place that all preachers love to go for centuries to find great insights. I went to Instagram and I found this great account. I'm sure you've come across it. I hope you have. It's called Dude With Sign. Basically, it's a dude with a sign. By show of hands, who's come across dude with a sign before? Few of you, not heaps of you. Uh, he's, uh, he went viral uh, for standing on street corners in New York City, uh, holding up uh, his own insights and wisdom for the world to take in. Here are some of his public service announcements. Stop saying no offense before saying something offensive. Right? Amen. I heard an amen. That's awesome. Uh, Let's check out the next one. No offense, but your meal doesn't need a photo shoot. (laughs) Come on, Melbourne hipsters. You know that's relevant. (laughs) Uh, How about this one for you business professionals? That meeting could have been an email. (laughs) He's right. He's not wrong. How about this? Stop talking on speakerphones in public. He just knows. The dude knows. Lastly, my favorite. Bring it up. Here we go. Paper straws ain't it. (laughs) Come on, that needs an amen. (laughs) Man, I love how earthy it is. 
Love how relatable it is. You know, when someone articulates what we're all thinking and feeling, it has a way of bringing us together and making us smile. And, and words, they're powerful like that. Words that are articulate, speak truth, a little bit of humor and wit, have a way of bringing us together. They have a way of making sense of this world and guiding our way through it. You might be surprised to hear this, but... The book of Proverbs is a bit like our dude with a sign. Uh, in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, the writer uh, holds up for us a collection of insights and observations that make sense of this world and this life that we have. Sometimes they're humorous, other times they're a little cutting, some are pretty straightforward, easy to grasp, others require reflection and contemplation. But together, The book of Proverbs is an incredible gift and guide for us all. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to get super practical and look at important topics like friendship and marriage. We're going to get practical advice on on, on work and money and justice and life and and, and death. And and as we do this, you're going to discover that Proverbs is, is timeless and it is timely. Right? It's timeless in that it's existed for 3,000 years and, and, and echoed timeless truth through every generation. And yet it is also incredibly timely for us all. You and I know that we're living in this unique time in history where we have more information at our fingertips than any other generation that's come before us. Uh, every day there are around 500 million tweets 350 million photos posted on Facebook. We scroll through 100 million hours of video content and every day there are, get this, 300 billion emails that are sent. So the digital revolution uh, has radically increased our access to information. And in part, that's awesome. I love that Siri can direct me home. I love that... Google has an answer for everything. I love that ChatGBT can write my sermons. It's, it's, it's really great. But I'm sure you know that the rise in data doesn't always lead to an increase in discernment. I'm sure you know that with streams of information, we don't necessarily have increased wisdom. Today, we're going to look at the opening chapters of this book, which really set the stage for the practical topics that we'll get into next week. And it's going to introduce to us the characters, and we're going to learn how to read the book of Proverbs. Uh, But the key here is grappling with the importance of wisdom over foolishness. We're going to look at wisdom over foolishness. How might we sum up today's message? I think like this. Right? Forget Google, start with God. That's my sign for the day. Three acts to navigate our time together. If you're taking notes, act one, let's have a fireside chat. So in verse one, we read, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. If you're reading the book of Proverbs, you need to imagine yourself sitting by a fireplace 
late at night. You're outdoors. Um, the smoke is in the air. You can hear one of your good mates strumming his guitar, singing K-San, a little bit off key. And you're there and you notice this conversation between an older man and a younger man, a father and his son. The son, let's be honest, looks a little distracted, a little disinterested. The father, the older man, wants him to put down the phone and listen. He's got something to say, something to pass on. And who is the older man? Who is the father we'd imagine when we read the book of Proverbs? It's right there in verse 1. Did you see it? It's Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, Solomon um, actually lost his dad pretty early on in his life. He was quite young. Um, He took the the throne and he was made king of Israel when he was about 20 years of age, right? Which is, it's young and it's a lot of responsibility, you know, leading a whole nation and decisions and armies and all of that kind of stuff. And we're told in the Bible that when he was just 20 years of age, trying to come to terms with his new role, God comes to him in a dream. And in this dream, God says, ask for whatever you want and I'll give you. Right? Ask whatever you want and, and I'll give to you. Now, what would you say if God came to you and asked you for whatever you want? I don't know. For me, I'm probably saying unlimited wealth. Right? That'd be cool. Or maybe something extra, extra special, like Melbourne beating Collingwood this Thursday night. Come on. One thing. <laughs> be amazing. Come on. Solomon, what is, what is he, what, what is the one thing that he asked for? Check this out. He's 20 years old. He says, verse 7, Oh Lord, my God, this is in Kings. You have made your servant king in place of David, my dad, although I am but a little child. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. So of all the things that Solomon could ask for, what does he ask for? Wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And the Lord was pleased to answer that prayer. And you see it really early on. There's this famous scene, episode in in Solomon's life early on, where two women kind of fighting against each other over a child that they both say is theirs. And they rush before Solomon saying, you know, who's the real mother? Right? That's really tricky in these days because they haven't got DNA testing. No ancestry.com. So what does Solomon do? He turns to the two women and the, the, the kid and says, I know what we can do here. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll chop the kid in half and then you can have half each. Right, and what happens? One of the women streaks, screeches and says, no, kill the child. If that's what you're going to do, give it to the other woman. And then the other woman says, no, 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 I don't want it. Uh, cut him in half and no one will have him. Of course, this made it very obvious to Solomon who the true mother was. And it was these moments in the life of Solomon that made his wisdom go viral. Right? People came from everywhere to, to seek out his knowledge and to understand his wisdom. Um, and, and you see in his, in his life that uh, he pens all of these great proverbs, over 3,000. He wrote so many top hit songs. And, and he used his wisdom to really build for Israel and himself this tremendous uh, influence and success and prosperity. Historians will actually tell you that Solomon was the richest man to ever live. 
And they kind of try and guess or pen in our terms of dollars. They say that the height of his you know, reign, he had a net worth of somewhere between $1 and $2.1 trillion. Do you know what you can buy with $2.1 trillion? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Now, did that mean, with all that money and power and influence and buildings and all, did that mean his life was a shining success? No. He actually has a great rise, but also a devastating fall. And in many ways, this is what makes Solomon an ideal voice for us all. He hasn't got this cookie-cutter life. His life can't be wrapped up into a neat bow. This is a dude with an insta-reel that is full of great highs, but also many lows, a lot of selfishness, a lot of foolishness, a lot of sin. And so here... Old man Solomon sits with his young son. He's like, put down the phone. Listen to what I want to say. Listen to what I have to teach you. I don't want you to make a train wreck of your life. I want you to live well. And the heart of this book is really captured in verse 2. Proverbs are, he says, for gaining wisdom. For gaining wisdom instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple knowledge and discretion to the young. So this is the lens through which you are to read the book of Proverbs. Proverbs shouldn't just be reduced to those cute little sayings and witty observations need to realize this is a father helping his son grow in life. Now, interestingly, the the Hebrew word for wisdom in Proverbs uh, in verse 2 is chokmah. Everyone say that. It's fun to say. Come on. Chokmah. Chokmah. Yeah, there you go. So chokmah describes the skill and ability to apply knowledge and experience in a prudent and diligent way. When you think of wisdom in the Old Testament, we are to think of the skill and ability to apply uh, knowledge when it comes to building a house. Like a tradie, they're using skill and ability to, to build a house. Or you might imagine a sailor, the skill and ability to set the sail and to, to navigate the waters. of you know. When it comes to wisdom in Proverbs, this is skill, ability, knowledge, and wisdom to help a young man navigate the complexity of life. Uh, And that's important because you will face big decisions in your life. You perhaps right now are facing big decisions and choices about what you do next. And sometimes those choices aren't always clear. I know my younger self often tended to view the world in black and white terms. This is right. That's wrong. They're right, they're wrong, right? It's it's easy to kind of, it's a simple way to view our lives in this world. But as you get older, you begin to realize that there's actually a lot of gray in the middle. There's complexity in life. There's ambiguity. Things are not always as they seem. Now, does the Bible have clear moral laws that tell us exactly what we should do and what we should not do? Absolutely. The Bible's full of that. But no one Bible verse is going to tell you who you should marry or if you should marry. 
No one Bible verse is going to tell you uh, where you should live, where you should work, what class you should take at university, which career you should pursue. No one Bible verse is going to tell you how you should vote or where you should invest your money, right? There are so many decisions that we are all making every single day. And are they important? Absolutely. There's consequences for your choices. This is where wisdom is vital. Wisdom is more than quick advice. It's more than that's right, this is wrong. It's about forming your character and applying skill, reason, and understanding in life. I love verse 8. Hear the tone in this. It says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. You know, as a dad myself, I feel the longing in those words. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your father's teaching. I'm married now 21 years. My wife, Vanessa, and I, we've got four kids and a rabbit. And it's a lot of responsibility. And kids are great. You know, it's Father's Day and being a dad, lots of happy moments, a lot of great memories. I love being a dad. You also need to know it's hard work being a dad. My good mate, Steph, who's on staff here, uh, she has this little quote from her mum, which I think is so helpful. She says, when kids are young, there are a lot of work. When they're old, there are a lot of worry. <laughs> right? Anyone who's got like teenagers or be- like, you know that kids, when they're young, there are a lot of work. When they're older, they become a lot of worry. Why do parents worry? Why do your parents worry over you? You know why they worry? Because they care for you. They love you. They don't want you to make a train wreck of your life. I love my kids and I want them to know they are loved. I want them to know that they matter, each of them individually. They really, really matter. There's a reason they're on this planet. And I want them to find that purpose, to know their value and to be a person who adds value to other people. That life isn't just all about them. Life is about living well and being a blessing to other people. Um, That's the essence of this book. This book, Proverbs, is a guide to help you grow and live well. And and while the imagery in Proverbs is often geared around a father talking uh, talking to a young 20-year-old son, don't get too stuck on the imagery here. It's imagery just to help us think. Um, The truth is, no matter your age or stage, let's be honest, we are all on a journey journey of of maturity and responsibility, right? By show of hands, does anyone can say, I've made it in life, right? No, I'm the only one, okay. Uh, (laughs) Right, The, the truth is, whether you're young or young at heart, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're single, whether you're, like, wherever you are today, the truth is, We've all got things to learn. We're all facing real decisions and choices that have big consequences. The fool says, I don't need advice. The fool says, I've worked everything out. The fool says, I don't need to listen. Wisdom is found in a posture of humility that lives life with a notebook out, so to speak, and a heart eager to learn. Wisdom says, I want to grow. I want to make wise decisions. And this leads to Act 2, which I've called uh, a pendant for your neck. So I love the imagery, and and maybe you picked it up in verse 8, to describe training in wisdom. The dad says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mum's teaching. They are what? A garland to grace your head. 
and a chain, a chain to adorn your neck. Why does the dad liken wisdom to like a gold chain that a young son needs to wear around their neck? I think in part it's to help us realize that wisdom is something that you need to carry with you wherever you go. Wisdom is something that you want to take with you into your workplace, into your marriage, into your finances. Wisdom is what you take with you in life. I know as a dad, I have a few short years with my kids. A few short years. But a time is coming where as a dad, I have to kind of say goodbye. They need to learn to live and stand on their own two feet. They need to pay their own bills. They need to manage their own decisions. They need to choose their friends and who they'll hang out with and the person that they have to make, they have to take that with them, right? That doesn't mean as a dad, I'm not going to be there on the other side of a call to help them out, to give them advice, but I know that what I need to give them more than anything else, what they need more than anything else, is wisdom. Because wisdom is about doing life well. And that's really important to underscore because one of the big mistakes people make with Proverbs is assuming that the short sayings, you know, we heard earlier in the service and we'll see them in the coming weeks, it makes up the bulk of the middle part of the book. We assume that those, those short sayings are, are commands you must obey. Right? So we read it like these one-dimensional commands, like the Ten Commandments. We read Proverbs so often uh, like we read the Ten Commandments. We assume that they're commands you should obey. The problem with that is that you are going to come across Proverbs that appear to contradict each other. Did you know that? I, uh, our friend uh, Andy Judd, um, lecturer in Old Testament, points out that the contradictions in Proverbs actually appear in the skeptic's Bible online. The skeptic's Bible online is, is pretty much a primer for atheists to help them you know, combat Christians and dis, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And one of the things, actually Andy points it like this, is if you want to know what the skeptic's Bible online is, it's basically the NIV study Bible for Satan. So that's, that's what it is. And it turns out the skeptics have a field day with Proverbs and the apparent contradictions. So, so they'll point out, for example, in chapter 26, verse 4, This is what we're told. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. But what does the very next verse say? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So you read this and you're like, well, which is it, Solomon? Do you answer a fool or not answer a fool? Isn't this a contradiction? Doesn't this suggest that, you know, the skeptics are right and the Bible writers were confused? No, the more likely answer is that the guys writing the skeptic's Bible don't know how to read Proverbs. (laughs) Because in the ancient world, everybody knew that the Proverbs were not a list of commands. Proverbs is not supposed to be read the way you read the Ten Commandments. Rather, Proverbs is an observation of how the world generally works. Proverbs express general truths in absolute terms. And listen, wisdom is found in discerning which proverb to apply to which circumstance. And we actually, we actually do this with modern proverbs all the time. right? We see this with modern proverbs all the time. For example, many hands make 
light work. Many hands make light work. What about too many cooks? Spoil the broth. So which is it? Well, it depends. Wisdom is found in discerning when you need to draw on the help of others and when you need to order Uber Eats. The other point to point out here is that Proverbs is not always a list of promises and guarantees. Right? Sometimes people like to you know, lift one proverb out of its context and read it and hold it up and frame it as if it's a promise, a guarantee. Uh, it's Father's Day today and, and same on Mother's Day. If you were to go to Kurong, I, I guarantee you, you will see Proverbs 22.6 framed up in a beautiful poster somewhere. Every well-meaning Christian loves to pass this on to a new parent. What's the proverb? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, is this an encouragement for mums and dads to take their parenting seriously? Yes. Is it an encouragement that those days, those early years with your kids are formative? Absolutely. But is this a promise? Is this a guarantee that if you train your kids, they will never, ever depart? No. I don't know if you know this about children. They're very unpredictable. They're very unpredictable. And the last thing you want to do with a parent is look at a child having a meltdown and blame the mum or the dad. Some of the most godly fathers and mothers I know have had rebellious kids. And one of the things I like to, invite, uh, to remind parents about is, is Adam and Eve. They had a perfect father living in a perfect garden. And they turned out like sport brats. Right? Proverbs is not always a series of promises or guarantees, but an invitation to see what is generally true about the world and then for us to discern what is good and what is wise. Of course, the other point about this imagery of a gold chain is it's not only something you take with you wherever you go, it's also incredibly valuable. Wisdom is precious. Right, there's a reason Solomon chose wisdom. Look, look at what the writer says in chapter 3. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. And those who hold her fast are called blessed. Why is wisdom better than gold? Because you can have all the money in the world and still be a jerk. You can have all the money and success and fame in this world and still feel empty inside. You can, still have, all, you can have all the money, wealth and success and fame in this world and still treat people like dirt. Um, the same could be said of intelligence. Some of the, you could be the smartest guy in the room, you could have eight degrees. That doesn't always lead to a flourishing, satisfying, blessed life. The gap between book smarts and street smarts is huge. Um, 
Now, let me say, this doesn't mean wisdom is at odds with wealth and success. Wisdom can and often does lead to wealth and success. But in Proverbs, wealth and success is almost always a byproduct of someone who sets their eyes on something greater, namely wisdom. Someone once said, if you spend your life chasing butterflies, they will fly away. But if you build a beautiful garden, the butterflies will come. The book of Proverbs exists to help you build a beautiful, rich garden. And that's why Proverbs not only includes great optimism and encouragement and and hope around wisdom, but also some very, very sharp warnings. So this is personified in the book of Hebrews, of Hebrews, Proverbs, with with two uh, women. Uh, You have two women. You have uh, Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly, right? Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly. You might be saying, why two women? Well, in part, it's to do with the, the, the grammar of the Hebrew text. In, word, in, 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 in Hebrew, uh, wisdom and folly are grammatically feminine words. So it's the natural kind of way to read it. The other point is that it's a dad talking to his son. And he's trying to give a 20-year-old vivid imagery to help him make wise choices. And so he says, in life, you're going to come across Lady Wisdom Madam Folly. Look at how he describes Lady Wisdom. She says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Lady Wisdom is beautiful. She seeks you. She wants to encourage you. She wants to help you live a good and fruitful and blessed life. But the father is warning the young son that this is not the only woman you will come across. In contrast to Lady Wisdom, there is also Madam Folly. And look at how vivid the writer speaks. He says, I saw among the simple... I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, Today I filled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, like knowing it will cost him his life. I'm not sure why this proverb didn't make the kid's Bible. 
but it's there for you to see. What, what strikes you about Madame Folly? Um, Madame Folly is affectionate. She's attractive. Uh, Madame Folly seduces with smooth talk and the offer of pleasure and love. Uh, I think this is where a lot of men and a lot of women make a train wreck of their life. Um, I think a lot of us, when it comes to dumb decisions or sinful decisions, assume that it's going to come at us with claws and a fang and horns. We don't realize that often it comes attractive to us. For Eve, the fruit was pleasing to her eye. You know, as someone who's done a few laps around the sun myself, I can tell you that foolishness never comes with a flashing light and a word of warning. It comes to win our affections, to seduce, to bring us in. And, and, and the dad in, in Proverbs wants the son to realize that he will face this choice. He must choose in the everyday realities of life, either lady wisdom or madam folly. And, and listen, that could be, that could be, the offer of a love affair, but remember that in Proverbs, Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly are personifications of the choice you will face between wisdom and foolishness. Um, and, and foolishness, Madam Folly, appeals to us and attracts us in different ways. It could be the folly of telling half-truths and trying to get through life with white lies. It could be the folly of taking shortcuts in life and thinking it's okay to compromise on your values. It could be the folly of just living for pleasure while negating your purpose. It could be the folly of neglecting what you want most for what you think you need now. Life is full of these choices. And the other thing to say about this is that folly does include sin, right? All sin is foolishness, but not all foolishness is sin. Sometimes we just do stupid things. Foolishness is about making dumb choices. Uh, Is it sinful to ignore wise counsel? No. Is it sinful to date someone who's selfish? No. Is it sinful to spend more money than uh, than you can afford? No. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. And as the great philosopher um, Forrest Gump once said, stupid is as stupid does. Solomon has lived life. And he knows, and he wants his son to know, and the Bible wants you to know. Madam Folly, man, it invites us in and it looks appealing, but like a deer stepping into a noose. So we're being brought to our destruction. And Solomon's been there. He's made those bad decisions and he's eager for his son. He's eager for you to learn and live well. And this leads to the last and final act, act three, the beginning of wisdom. My good friend, um, Dr. John Dixon, got me into the work of Martin Seligman, who's the professor of um, psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. And I'm sure if you, you, know, um, if you own the internet or you're on the internet, you'll know there's a YouTube, uh, sorry, a TED talk um, that Martin gives. I think it's got like 4 million views where he kind of compiles 40 years of research on happiness. 
and, and in his sphere, in his work world, uh, happiness is not some like trivial passing thing. When they talk about happiness, they're talking about well-being and life satisfaction or what Christians might call a blessed life, a deep, mean, blessed life or an abundant life. And he's done this research, you know, secular kind of work, looking at 40 years of research and distilled it down to three types of happiness that a person might, might, might have. And, and the first type or the first level is what we'd call pleasure, right? A nice glass of wine, a good holiday, a birthday party. It can make us happy, right? And it's often only temporal, but, but it's measurable. It's still something. That's kind of like the first. The second level is, is flow, which describes of having like a good job, a healthy life, good friends, Right? That, that provides us a level of happiness. And actually, next week, I'm going to focus in on the wisdom of Proverbs when it comes to friendship. Right? We'll have some time of Q&A. We're going to see the wisdom of friendship. Great Sunday to come along. Great Sunday to bring a friend. Bring an enemy. Doesn't matter. It's going to be, going to be great. But you know what they say leads to the deepest, most life-giving life? What leads to deep happiness or what we might call a blessed life? Martin says, of all their research, 40 years of research, here's the answer. Meaning. (laughs) Meaning leads to lasting joy and deep happiness. What is meaning? Well, meaning, according to Seligan, note this, is belonging to and serving something or someone greater than yourself. Right? People who have deep happiness in life belong to and serve something or someone greater than themselves. So think about that. You, you, you might say, oh, I want three BMWs. I, I, I want to rise up to the top of the org chart. Uh, I want to make sure I finish university as the top of the class. None of that is wrong. But ultimately, what your heart looks for, what makes a a flourishing life, a deep and happy life, is is meaning. It's having genuine purpose, a purpose that transcends yourself. And this is what's crazy. The Bible has been saying this to you for thousands of years. Proverbs, I mean, why I love this book, why it's so timely and transformative. Where can we find our higher purpose? Where do we find deep satisfaction? Listen to the wisdom of the father to the son. Listen to what Solomon says. Verse 8, father turns to his son and says, Son, it's the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. And then again, verse 9, Son, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And then chapter 14, and I love this so much. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Right? Notice, notice that Proverbs is not just about those cute little sayings. It's, this is about fountain of life. And, and that image of fountain of life takes us to the Garden of Eden, the tree of life. Right? And it also takes us to Revelation, where we see the fountain of life flowing through the redeemed city. The fear of the Lord, fountain of life. I know some of you are like, oh, the fear of the Lord. That, it's not supposed to be read the way that modern people would read it. It's not about being scared of God. It's about being in awe of God. Standing in his presence, standing in the presence of greatness, right? You go to Niagara Falls, you see a beautiful sunset, 
right? You're standing in the presence of greatness. You realize in that moment that, there's a, that you're small, and, 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 but in your smallness and in your humility, you stand in awe. You stand in wonder. You recognize you're made for something bigger. You're made for something better. According to the Bible, that posture before God where we realize that there is a God and I'm not it, there is a God who made this world, that's the fountain of life. That's the fountain that runs through everything that we so desperately need. You know, if you don't believe in God, and I know we're living in a culture where so many people are so quick to, to deny God or, or be distant from God, or what, you can't help then but look at the world and say, look, this is all just the random result of nothingness, right? It's just like if, you, if you're honest with yourself, you say there is no God. If you're honest with yourself, you have to go out at street at night and look at the stars, look at the moon, look at this world around you. And you have to conclude this all came from nothing and is going to nothing. Right? As Bertrand Russell famously said, it's just the result of a random collision of atoms. That's all you have. And if that is the worldview that you hold to with so many in our generation do today, if that's your worldview, then everything in this world, the pleasures, the work, the study, the relationships, they are fleeting at best. Right? You you think of Solomon's wisdom in Ecclesiastes. When it came to life and happiness without God, he looked at everything under the sun and said it was nothing more than a chasing after the wind. It's there and then it's gone. In other words, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. I know a lot of people today crave independence. I want to do life and work and relationships my way. Has that made our generation happier? Has that led to a more blessed, satisfied life? Listen, research will tell you, not just from Christians, secular research will show you we are the most affluent generation that has ever lived. And yet we are also the saddest, the most loneliest generation that has ever lived. Might I suggest to you that God is real and this world has not come from nothing. That God made this world with order and design and purpose. And wisdom and life is found in recognizing that God exists and that he made this world and there's a way to live in this world. There's a way to live in this world when it comes to relationships, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to finances, when it comes to justice, when it comes to death, when it comes to life. God has a purpose. And we are called to stand in awe of him, to recognize he is God, I am not, and to follow his wisdom, to follow his way. That's the awesomeness of this book. And the other thing just to land with and to finish with is that Remember how I said that wisdom is personified in the book of Proverbs? Why is that? It's because wisdom has a name. Wisdom has a name. I love John's prologue, which is the introduce, you know, in, in one of the, the Gospels. And he begins by this. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. You know, in the beginning was the Word of God. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. Right? And then John says something that would have you know, surprised, shocked, religious leaders and philosophers alike. He says in verse 14, and the word became flesh. 
and dwelt among us. You hear what he's saying? Uh, the, the logos of God, the meaning of life, the wisdom of God himself has made himself known. Colossians 2 says this, May your hearts be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is what? Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This week, um, I was encouraged by an interview as the band comes up, I was encouraged by an interview between a, a YouTuber named Eric and a guy on the streets named John. Uh, John uh, works on the streets of New York collecting um, used bottles and cans. And he collects these used bottles and cans just to make ends meet and to get through his life. And as you can see, he smiles. He's like smiling through the whole uh, interview uh, as if he, you know, he's enjoying it. Like, this is what he does. This is, this is his day to day. But of course, uh, John hasn't always been collecting cans. He, he shares that he was actually raised in the Bronx, oh, sorry, Queens, raised in, the, in, in Queens, where he met his wife and uh, had three beautiful children. But John, uh, John got involved in some shady business. John faced Madame Folly. And he started using drugs, started selling drugs, uh, started smuggling drugs, and then he started smuggling people. And he was making thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. But then, as is the case with all folly in life, it all came crashing down. A good friend of him ratted him out. FBI came to his house, took him away. He was locked up, spent 10 years in jail. Lost his wife, lost his kids. And he looks back with regret and sadness over what he did and missing the birth of his grandkids. And yet what's unexpected about John, and you can see this in the clip and you can find this on YouTube, is, is he has this joy to him, sense of gratitude to him. He, it's like he's, he's out there on the streets and he's loving life and he's nice to people who pass him by and he's saying hello. There's, there's this like life to him. And so Eric, the interviewer, kind of presses in. He says, you, you seem to be handling this so well. And then he shares why. He shares that in 1993, while sitting in a cold prison cell, three women from the Bronx came to visit him to share the message of Jesus. In his prison cell, he hears about the wisdom of God that has come to him in Christ, the Jesus who lived for him who died on a cross for his sins, for his mistakes, for his foolishness. The Jesus who rose to new life. And so hearing this, John makes a decision to accept it as truth and to follow God. He says, from that moment on, I don't want to follow my way. I want to follow Jesus' way. Now, did that mean that his circumstances changed overnight? Not exactly. Did that mean that he didn't go on to make some silly decisions? No. But at the center of his life, he has purpose. At the center of his life, he has meaning. He knows that God exists. He knows that God cares for him. And that radically transforms his life in this world. He has a thankfulness. He has a humility. He has a gratitude that shapes his relationships, his work, and his life. 
do you know that no matter what choices you have made, it's never too late to live a good life. It's never too late to come before God and to give up living your way, but instead to resolve and live His way. My hope throughout the series of Proverbs is that as we grapple with this rich, ancient text, we'll find insight for life, wisdom, truth. We'll find the glory of Jesus and his life for us all. Let's stand as we go to him now in prayer. Father, I thank you for your great love for us, your care, your beauty, your truth. Lord, I know that many of us here are grappling with choices and decisions. And I pray, Lord God, by the power of your spirit, you'd meet us in truth. For those who've made bad decisions, sinful choices, for those who've made a train wreck of our life, we ask right now that you'd meet us with your grace and that we'd know that it's never too late, never too late to come before you and to live your way. And so by your spirit, help us to do that, we pray, for our good and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.